Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is Bob, and our topic is organized religion, pros and cons of organized religion. And I tell you, Bob, I'm like super excited to get into this conversation because this is such a hot topic uh, right now in the world. It's like there's it, it, it makes us as individuals choose a side, doesn't it? It's like, well, I'm either for organized religion or I'm against it. So it's very controversial in subject matter. But I think more than going to the controversial side of the, this conversation, which we could easily do, uh, I'd like to enroll you in the possibility of we we make it more individual. Uh, what's going on in the in a the person in a person's heart that makes them really wrestle with this question. So I'd like to enroll you in that. But before we get started, um, quickly tell us uh, what's the industry that you work in? What do you do? Um, just so our audience has context, please. Absolutely, Joseph. We're uh, so I own a uh, finance company, and uh, I've been doing it for 25 years. Whoa! And have uh, have a, a good team of about a dozen employees, and we. Uh, we do good. We do good in this world. That's awesome. Cool. And uh, I always like to start every episode this way. In your opinion, Bob, why do you think the world's not working? Great question. Deep question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's a lack of morality. There's a lack of just, there's a lack of uh, uh, talking about organi- organized religion. I think that there's a lack of faith. Mm-hmm. Um and there's a lack of commitment by people of looking for the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 50 years, the next generation, the generation after that. I think that uh, people have become uh, selfish to a point. Mm. Um, but I think that the fact that there's a, a lack of faith has actually had a big impact on the world. Now, when you say lack of faith, could you break that down for us? Like, what do you mean specifically when you say lack of faith? Sure. So instead of growing up with uh, with a particular faith and learning the customs and the manners and so like traditions and all the things passed down from generation to generation. Exactly. I, I think that I, I always get the feeling that the people that are uh, let's talk about terrorists for a minute. OK. OK. So and there are terrorists in every group of every of every religion you've got uh, so extremist 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 um a lot of those people to me they gravitate towards something rather than being taught something from the get-go in other words if you're poor you're um you're destitute you're and then somebody comes by with a piece of bread and says hey come and follow me Mm. or here's a place to stay it's different than them growing up in an environment that's nurturing and loving mm. and they feel as though this well you know what i can go with this this is this is what i know this is what i respect versus getting recruited into a particular 
religion mm. uh, or a particular belief system. And I, I think that that's, I think a lot of people have been lost and the issue is that they're not getting that, they're not getting that up upbringing that they need to, to, from the beginning. Now, when you say upbringing that they're not getting, are you saying more specifically uh, an upbringing uh, in faith traditions or an upbringing in a loving, nurturing environment? Faith and traditions. Um, okay. I think loving and loving, nurturing environment is important. But if you don't have any traditions, if you don't have any, um, look, I'm Jewish. Got it. And my, my wife was, uh, was Christian. Mm. We had a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. We also had a menorah once in a while whenever I wanted to get around to it. So there was compromise there. There was compromise, but there were traditions. And mm -hmm. the traditions are what really made our family grow and uh, made, our, made our kids more comfortable with, with life. Um, had we not had anything at all, that's really where the issue is. And that's, um, but having those traditions really were instrumental in him growing up to being a, 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 just a really compassionate, good hearted young man. Mm. So what I'm hearing you say right now is, uh, one, uh, to you, one of the pros of, uh, religion, organized religion, is, hey, it passes on these traditions that are valuable, uh, especially for the rearing and raising of children, right? That they grow up in this, this structured uh, environment almost of like symbolism and meanings uh, where that are so much bigger than them. Absolutely. And, and we become selfish as a society. Look, it doesn't matter what happens to you and I. I mean, you know, we're, we're about the same age. Um, but you, know, you look younger. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I need that boost of confidence every <laughs> once in a while. I'm here to help, Bob. <laughs> thank you. Um, I look amazing on the radio is what I've been told. <laughs> um, As do I. <laughs> I think that people are looking... Um, I, I think that, that that... Now I've got that boost of confidence, and I forgot what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I gave you a second. compliment and derailed <laughs> the train. Look at that. It's like, so growing up, right, you, you were talking about uh, growing up with the faith traditions, right, a child in a faith tradition versus uh, none of that traditional structure, if you will. Right. It doesn't matter what happen, happens to us. What happens to our kids, what happens to our kids' kids, mm. and so much down the line. And it really changes you when you have children. Um, yeah. You start thinking a little bit less about yourself. But in today's environment, I think that that's changed. I think that um, you've got the, uh, you've got the deadbeat dad, you've got the, um, you've got the, uh, uh, the mom who, uh, has the kid and then just walks away. You've got all these other, there's a lack of taking care of our, of our, of our next generation and our generation after that. And there's environmental issues that we could go into, but going, taking it back to topic, I think that there's a lack of uh, there's a lack of tradition. There's a lack of mm. uh, 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 the world would be a, be a much better place if we would have more traditions in place. You know, it's interesting because if we look at uh, our parents' generation, for instance, right? Uh, I don't know what generation that was. What was that? Forties, fifties, sixties? They grew up in. Yeah. Uh, 
right? Our parents' generation, they had those traditions. Now, they had a whole lot of problems in the world, right? No different, right? There's all throughout history, there's always a lot of problems, and every generation thinks that their, their problems are the worst, right? right? It's just the human occurrence. Uh, however, looking back at, like, our parents' generation, we can say, holistically, there was less, um, I don't want to say less evil in the world, However, I do want to say that uh, the religion structure and traditions were much more prominent in the house, in the home. And, and kids were raised in these family, uh, this natural organic family environment mm-hmm. um, where it wasn't all about them. There, w- there was God. There was church. And it wasn't, you know, something you didn't do. You were an outlier back then if you really like just rebelled and said, well, I'm not going to church. I don't believe in God. What the heck is that? I don't need God. I don't need this. I don't need that, which is now prevalent in our generation and and the next generation, right? All the millennials right now are being raised in these homes, first off, where the divorce rate is astronomical. Nice word. I like that. <laughs> right. Uh, just astronomical. And so they're growing up in broken homes with uh, one uh, of the parents normally not present in their lives. And that's really difficult um, because if they're not getting the basics of that love nurturing environment, it's like you were using before the extremist example. It's like, listen, you know, if someone's starving and hungry, and you hand them a piece of bread, but only if you follow me in this direction, mm-hmm. where are they going to go? They're going to go where they need food. They're going to gravitate to the easiest w- way to go. And you know what? What's occurring to me right now in this moment, Bob, is that the generation of millennials that are growing up, uh, the easiest uh, way for them to go, they're actually getting more love and nurturing, I think, from their peers than sometimes from their own home life. It makes sense. And and the peers are saying, hey, you know, come out here and man, let's just, you know, party rock, sex, the works, you know, gender fluidity, you know, be whoever you want. You're not even a boy. You could be a girl. You could do whatever you want tomorrow. And and it's just this uh, lifestyle of no con- no consequences. And part of the problem is the divorce rate because yeah. it, raising a kid as a single parent is not easy. Mm. It's it's intensely different. I get it's difficult. You're working multiple jobs potentially. Um, you're running a household. You're doing all these different things, and at the end of the day, you're spending less and less time with your child. Yeah, and and that your child suffers, right? And if your child suffers, here's the impact, right? And I'm not saying your child specifically, right? I'm just saying children in general. Is that as dads as husbands as moms as mothers the time love and nurturing that you give to your children is impacting not only their generation but the next generation and the next generation literally three to four generations are impacted by the choices you and i make today yes and i think we forget that and if we get present to that we're like whoa it's not all about me, right? My life's really not about me, but that's not the human experience, is it? The human experience is it's all about me. The world revolves around me. 
Right. And that's the main, that's the big pro with organized religion is having, having, uh, uh, having something to go to, being able to sit down at the kitchen table and saying a prayer before dinner, uh, mm. before dinner and just keeping everything grounded. Mm. I think maybe that's the right word for it is keeping things grounded rather than, okay, it's free for all, free for all. I'm going to yeah. go eat dinner in, in the living room and uh, my child's going to be in his room and my wife's going to be upstairs and nobody's together. And now you've got a family that's effectively you've you've lost your tradition and you've got mm -hmm. a family that's just not together. You know, I think that's a great point uh, that you're making right now is like when you remove the the uh, tr traditions of, you know, faith denominations in general, uh, you remove the the glue, the cohesiveness mm -hmm. that keeps us together, whether it be in the home life or in the church or out in our careers. And and what it does is it caters to the individual rather than the, the group or the community and really promotes that individuality. Not that that's bad. However, the outcome, the natural progression of that is isolation. And we we now live in a world where we all live very isolated from each other. Right. Right. With our devices, smartphones, all these things. And, and they're not bad things. They're fantastic things. However, uh, because of the addictive nature built within them that sells these products, uh, it pulls us away from each other. And now you have this uh, this communal breakdown in the home and in society in general. And and who pays the price? We do. Each of us pay the price because we end up lonelier than we ever have. Right, uh, we smaller circles than we've ever had. But Joseph, I've got five new Facebook friends this uh, this week. Yeah, and let me ask you this: When you're <laughs> in the hospital, how many of them will come and sit by your bedside and stay three nights in a row with you? Nope, none of those guys. No. So I think we've distorted uh, the labels that we give some of the people in our lives. Right? We call them Facebook friends. I don't think we should call them Facebook friends. And I get it. It's They're online contacts. There you go. Yeah. It's like, or maybe we should call them, you know, fans. Right. Right. These are my Facebook fans um, or followers. Right. And I think followers is, and I don't even think that's a good play. Right. Because they actually wouldn't follow you into dangerous things. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> like in battle. I don't think they would follow you into battle. Most you likely know? would not. And, and that's the point. Do they follow you into the tough times in your life? Or is that where they just tap out? They just tap out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So let's let's bring it back around because I know we're discussing the pros here of organized religion, and I haven't even kind of uh, shared mine yet, and and I'll probably save it a little bit in the conversation here. But what are some of the uh, negatives, the cons that show up for you personally, Bob, in your life, in your life experience, uh, as far as organized religion? What I see in the world, a lot of extremism, a lot of extremism, um, you know, taking things a little too far. Mm. Um, you know, you see that with the terrorist groups. You see that with, uh, with uh, you know, if you kill X amount of people, you're going to get X amount of virgins. Um, you see that with the, uh, with a lot of the, uh, 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 you know, you see that in Christianity. Mm -hmm. uh, you see that, you see hate. There is a, mm. uh, my religion's better than yours. Or if mm. you don't believe in what I believe, then, uh, you know, you're wrong. And uh, we're going to kill you over it. Mm. I mean, there's, it, look through history, and there's sure. been 
all kinds of different the crusades mm-hmm. um so I, there there's where religion has really gone wrong is uh um i was watching on netflix uh, marco polo ah i watched that and uh really neat really neat program and they were showing about how uh, uh the mongols and christians and um i'm i'm only into about a season and a half but the last couple of uh last couple of episodes that i saw were you know i'm gonna kill you over your religion and that's that's one of the real negatives about people look at the end of the day we all have to meet our maker and i don't know if i'm right i don't know if you're right but i'm the one who has to meet mm-hmm. my maker you're mm-hmm. the one who has to meet your maker and they're probably the same maker at the end of the day um we have to be good individuals and good people and uh one of the you know one of the cons i I never quite understood this is i could be an axe murderer and then i could repent i guess the day before i die Mm. and then i'm okay no big deal Mm. i can go around you know there's a a story out there uh about al capone right the famous american gangster Mm -hmm. and al capone was uh raised in a catholic home and uh his mother prayed for him prayed for him prayed for him but he never would uh, really come to the faith and he went out and did all those heinous criminal acts right and he killed people right torture all that stuff right gangster lifestyle robbed you know just did really bad things to other humans no bueno no bueno right and that's for my spanish audience listening right now uh that's about all we got on that um yeah so he went out and did all these atrocities these human crimes and at the end of his life on his deathbed he called for a priest and he asked to be baptized and nobody had known but somehow when he was a little child being raised in a catholic family some situation happened where he got skipped over from getting baptized, which was the normal protocol, right, in the, that tradition. And he was never baptized, so he was never saved, he was never washed clean, as we understand it as Christians. And the, literally on his deathbed, he pleaded to God, have mercy on me, and asked for a confession, right? He got baptized, washed clean, and then a confession. And people say to this day, and it's kind of a funny joke, is that, Al Capone stole, killed, murdered, right, his whole life, and then upon his deathbed, he stole heaven. Hmm. And is that fair? It doesn't occur that way in the human experience, right? But then if you look at Scripture, right, and there's the parable that Jesus had shared, which was about the day laborers. And he says that these laborers, uh, um, right, the, uh, the farmer, he goes out and he finds these day laborers early in the morning. And he says, hey, go work on my farm and I'll pay you a full day's wage. And they go out to crack at dawn and they put in a full day in the hot sun and they work. And then he goes out um, at like 11 a.m. and he finds more day laborers. He says, hey, hey, go work on my farm. And then he goes out about one o'clock and he finds more day laborers. Hey, go work on my farm. And then... Um, at about 3 to 4 p.m., with like an hour remaining in the workday, he finds these last day laborers. He says, hey, why are you still out here all day? How, why, how come you're not working? They're like, nobody's come to ask us to work. He says, go to my farm and work and finish out the day. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And uh, they go and they finish. And then the hour passes. Boom, it's like 5 o'clock. 
you know, and uh, he brings them all, they all come to him for their day labor, for their pay, and he pays them all the equal wage. Well, you can imagine how this occurred for the ones that started at 6 a.m. Right. Worked all day in the sun, and then they see these ones that started at 4 p.m., worked for an hour, and they got the same wage as them. And they said to him, the farmer, hey, that's not fair. We want more. And he says, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, is m my money not my own? Did you not agree to a full day's wage? They're like, yeah, we did. He's like, then how did I cheat you? You got what you agreed upon. Should I want to be extra generous with these people? It's my money. I can choose to do so. How does that ha affect you? It doesn't, right? And I, I think that's the, where that shows up for me is how does Al Capone, this American gangster that, that sin, 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 right? And, and just destroyed people's lives, wrecked people's lives. Why did God spare him? He was at that, that four o'clock, right? And he says, hey, can I go to the farm and work, you know? But he repented. He had a change of heart. And it was probably, some suspect, that it was the 30 years of his mother praying for him and for his soul that he would have a conversion. Well, the most evil men in the world are also the, a villa, uh, they're a hero in their own mind. Sure. So who knows what was going on in his head. Um, you know, when he was killing somebody, he might have been thinking, hey, you know, I'm actually doing somebody a favor by, by doing this. Or yeah, fair I might have been a good person by, uh, uh, by robbing this person so that I could feed this other person. Who, who knows? Sure, sure. However, we know, right, there's some intrinsic evils, right? Yes. Murder is intrinsically evil, right? Even in, in God's law and God's commands, it's, it's evil. And it's like, but here's the thing. We sometimes want to play God, right? This is how it shows up for me. We want to play God and we want to cast judgment. We want to be the judge over others and say, well, hold on, Al Capone, you did all that. You should suffer. You should have consequences. But God's ways are not ours. And we don't understand why God would spare him. And, and we don't understand why God would pay a full day's wage to someone who only worked an hour. We don't get it. So even though he was baptized, help me understand sure, this. Sure, go ahead. So if he's baptized and he goes up to the pearly gates and Peter is there. Sure. So uh, is Peter going? It, we don't know if Peter let him in or not, right? Well, we, in, in the, the Catholic faith, tradition, how I understand it, and all Christian traditions, uh, denominations, is baptism washes all sin away. So literally, you're reborn in Christ if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, and repent. And repent doesn't just mean, hey, I'm sorry, and now let me go back out and play. Repent is, I am so remorseful for what I've done. And repentance is a grace, right? God gives you the, he takes the veil off your eyes and you could see your wrongdoing. And you literally want to transform your life, do a 180 degree and start living differently. If that true repentance is uh, present, um, then God promises through the, the sacrament, uh, the grace of baptism, that he will forgive all sins, wipe clean, throw your sins into the ocean, never to be seen again. And you're like, clean as and innocent as a newborn baby. Now, literally, you have the freedom now with your free will to go out and start staining your, your life again, right? <laughs> the next day. He was on his deathbed, so no real opportunity to do that. 
So yes, uh, in the Catholic and Christian uh, traditions, um, he was entered right into heaven. Though it is not fair to our humanity. No, it's not. It's not. And and that's the thing. We're not God. Now, question for sure. you. Sure. So had he been baptized, yeah, would he have not been skipped over? Then would he have become Al Capone as we know him? We don't know that answer either, right? Mm-hmm. Who's to say? Right. For whatever reason, his life occurred the way it occurred. And But that goes back to our kids. Sure. And traditions. You got and, it. And uh, so had he been raised in a uh, in maybe a, a different different type of environment, who knows what would have happened? Absolutely. And were there consequences to that lifestyle that he lived? And maybe he didn't suffer the eternal consequences because God had mercy on his soul mm-hmm. at that on his deathbed. However, Scripture does speak about um, sins of the father. And how the sins of the father will literally poison um, several generations, up to seven generations of the father's offspring. Oh, think about it—the last name Capone. Right. If you had the last name Capone, uh, you think about other uh, other people in history with that with that type of reputation and that type of, type of last name. You basically have cursed your offspring. That's well said, right? And and not just by name's sake, but also um, spiritually. There's a, there's a cursing that happens behind the scenes, right? And it could skip a generation, right? And, and throughout history, we've seen these uh, types of occurrences where, uh, say, Al Capone's—and we're speculating here, of course. I don't know the historical background on Al Capone's uh, family tree. Uh, however, uh, it could have skipped, like, his kids— and then his grandkids, all of a sudden, one's born into dr- drug addiction, alcoholism, whatever, with this cursing that they're just born into it. And they didn't create it. It just happened or whatever, um, or suicides or deaths. And we ask, like, why do these bad things happen in the world? You know, how does a loving God who loves everyone and is love, you know, allow all these bad things to happen in the world? And it's like, listen, what we fail to uh miss or fail to accept is our own personal accountability and responsibility for the life that we live and the effect and the consequences it has over generations. And it's like bad things could have happened are happening in the world right now from our great grandfather's and mother's decisions. Mm-hmm. And sure. we need to get that. Sure. And that our decisions today, we need to own and take responsibility for it, not make ourselves wrong, but just take responsibilities for it and say, I am impacting my grandkids and grand, uh, great-grandchildren's lives with the decision I make today, right now, to do this or to do this. And it's very difficult to be present in the moment with that, isn't it? It is. It is. I, I, I also, so talking about the pros and the cons of religion, I think that people don't use religion for what it really should be in some cases. Which is what? Uh great example um football team so i'm going to pray that my football team wins today (laughs) seriously i get it um yeah um, i'm gonna pray that my football team wins so that the other team doesn't win so you're praying against the other team i never quite understood that yeah and that's a a personal um decision right Mm -hmm. i think and it's also a very uh naive adolescent approach to faith Mm-hmm. And 
it's I'm not making a person wrong for doing that. I'm just saying it's it's a very elementary school understanding of the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. And this selfish, ambiguous type of outcome that you're looking for. Uh, God, pick me, pick me. Yeah, exactly. And and listen, let's be honest. Most of us, when we pray, it's very self-centered. Oh, yes. It's all about me, right? And and most of, many of us don't even pray until we need something. Absolutely. And like God is like the genie in the sky. You know, it's like, you know, hey, I want to make three wishes or my life's crashing and burning. Like I... Because we don't want to take responsibility for the choices we made that led to the crash and burn in our lives. Right. Or or to say that he has a direct uh, button to push when you need something. So yeah. uh, poker players. <laughs> so I'm watching the World Series of Poker. And the the one poker player who needs a card. So all of a sudden you hear him praying. And one time, God, one time. <laughs> And I don't know. But anyway, I get what you're saying, right? So I'm going to tie this back in pros and cons. So if you're listening right now and you're joining the show, uh, we are speaking with Bob right now about organized religion, the pros and the cons. And we're jumping off, you know, topic. So it seems, but I think it's, it's still on topic, right? Because organized religion, in my opinion, um, serves one purpose. And uh, Jesus came to build his church on earth, Right. That's an organized religion, right? He uh, created followers. Now, they weren't Facebook followers. These were actual (laughs) real followers, right? The 12 apostles. And he said, stop what you're doing. Leave your life, your wives, your kids, everything behind and follow me. And they did because they recognized truth that this wasn't just a man. There was something about him that filled that, that chasm in all of our hearts that Something greater than me is present in front of me. And and there he was, right? And he called them into being, into acting uh, in such a way with this total shift of lifestyle, this total shift of beliefs against their, their Jewish upbringing, the Jewish faith tradition. However, it was a fulfillment of the Old Testament, and he created the New Testament. But that was all new to them. What the heck is the New Testament? What's wrong with the Old Testament? This is how I was raised. This is how my parents were raised. My grandparents were raised. right? And you could just imagine that. And he came in and he, he disru- disrupted organized religion at the time. And because it, the very leaders of the organized religion that he disrupted so heavily, Judaism, they hung him on a cross. That's how much he came in and shook up all that organized religion. However, he did so, so wait, in a way the that— the Jews hung him on a cross or the Romans hung him, hung him on a cross? No, the Jews hung him on a cross, right? But they not... used the Romans to do so. But it was the, it was the Pharisees, the, uh, you know, all the, the Jewish church hierarchy that provoked the Romans. Hey, we need your power because they were under Roman authority. Right. So only the Romans could authorize the crucifixions and the Roman soldiers are the ones that actually executed the crucifixion. Right. But it was the, the actual faith tradition, the organized religion that Jesus chose to be born into, into a Jewish family are the very ones that he showed up with a new religion, a fulfillment of the existing religion that was so shocking, so disturbing that they thought he was a heretic. And that he was anti-God of what they had grown up in. 
And because of it, the extremist, as you brought up, Bob, the extremist in that denomination showed up. And to such a point that they wanted him dead because he was making them wrong. He was wrong. They needed to stay right. And because he was winning over so many followers, that was leaving them with being wrong. And you know how it is as humans. We can't really sit in being wrong or being told we're wrong, can we? Oh, never. It creates hostility, doesn't it? It does. It makes you want to attack the person in front of you or end their life. And that's what happens. And I think you started this this episode really well with bringing up that extremism. And it kind of big circle here. You know, the extremists back in Jesus's time are the very ones in the name of God that hung him on a cross, the son of God, because they weren't present to what God was showing them and wanting to show them. They were so closed-minded with their own worldview that they didn't allow any flexibility there. And how many times in our own lives do we do that? What's showing up for you in this, Bob? I mean, it, it comes down to um, it comes down to less hate and more love. Yeah, what does that look like? Well, I mean, you, you come back full circle kids growing up with traditions and um and loving their parents and having loving parents and um and having a family that's grow to grow up when uh, in not just on their own that's that's what it's all about i like what you just went with that because i think you just you kind of took out the uh i forget what they call it um many of us chase the wrong target right Right. We see we we're like, oh, organized religion is bad. No, it's organized religions are filled with humans. Lack of family dynamic is what's bad. Absolutely. But let's even go deeper. Right. Let's continue to go down to the core. It's like organized religion is not bad in itself. Right. It's an inanimate object, if, if that makes any sense. And it's like it's filled with humans, with people. People have free will given to them by their Father in Heaven, by their Maker. With their free will, we choose good and we choose wrong. Mm -hmm. We just do, okay? It's the human experience, our fallen nature from Adam and Eve. And I always like to say, thanks, Adam, right? It's like, it's our fallen nature and our wrong choices are what show up in the world. You know, I, I want to bring one other thing up. You had talked about uh, social media okay. and... And I think that people are less going to their parents for advice, and they're looking more yes. at the uh, collective decision-making that's on, um, look, I don't know what to believe myself, so I'm just going to go on Google, or I'm just going to listen to my Facebook followers mm -hmm. or friends or whatever we want to call them today. Yeah, so social proof is what you're describing. Social proof. And I think that that has had a big impact, although we're able to communicate much differently than we have in the past, it's not necessarily better because we're not looking at our parental figures mm. as our leaders. Which is interesting, right? So we're literally closing our eyes to the wisdom of generations before us mm -hmm. that have already lived the human experience. Look, the guys that are kneeling for the NFL right now, not to get into that topic, sure, 
but these are kids. These are 22, 25-year-old kids at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. 22 and a 25-year-old kid. Great, you're making a statement. That's fine. But you haven't lived life enough to really want me to make you follow you. Yeah. Um, you know, what are your parents saying about this? What is it? Um, I get that. It's more of a follower mentality than you might be thinking that you're getting people to want to follow you, but you're just you're a follower just like everyone else. It's interesting because you bring up the NFL NFL kneeling uh, situation, and what shows up for me, whether I don't know if it's accurate or not, it's just what shows up for me is that that in itself was an organized event, right? There was like, hey, let's stand for something. Hey, let's stand against something else. Hey, and then they put structure to it, right? When this happens at this moment, let's lock arms, let's bend a knee and show the world, right? That in itself is an organized, very early stage religion, mm -hmm. right? And it could easily, if you put more structure around that, more traditions, more- It's a belief system. Relig uh, religiosity or whatever around that, that could easily become an organized religion. So in the same voice, if you're listening to the show right now and you're like, listen, I'm totally against organized religion. Well then, I'm challenging you back. Hey, were you like all for the NFL players kneeling? Because if you were, then you're actually for organized religion. That was just an early form of it. And organized religion is how humans get on the same page collectively and move in a direction. So I'm a business owner, you're a business owner, right, Bob? Mm -hmm. Right, and we have teams uh, underneath us. We, in fact, run organized, right, organizations. That's where, the, that's where the, the word comes from. Faith traditions are organizations with hopefully the outcome of not uh, profit and revenue, but the outcome of relationship and uh, faith to our God, to our creator. Similar structure. Does that make all business organizations wrong or the organization of businesses wrong? So like, again, it's, a, it's the wrong target. Right. If we're like saying, oh, organized religion is wrong, all religions are wrong that are organized are wrong. No, that's the wrong target. It's what you're really wanting to argue with is that the choices that other humans make and the choices that you and I make sometimes are on target and add value to the world and our human experience. And other times we hurt each other with it. We create our own problems. We create our own problems. Absolutely. And I think what shows up for me uh, that you brought up earlier, Bob, is that when we take our eyes off of God and we remove God from society, and we remove God from our homes and we have our own brokenness in our homes and divorces and everything like that, the natural outcome of this is going to be this isolated internal view where we become our own gods and it's all about us. And then I go out with that mentality, my own little bubble, my worldview is I am my God of my own universe and others revolve around me. And then I become part of an organized something and then I make my choices within it. And then s half the people agree with my choices. The other half don't. Mm -hmm. They condemn me. And this is the, the experience, right? And we go, oh, see, organized religion is bad or, you know, Catholics are all bad because a few low, low, low percentage of Catholics made really poor choices that hurt people with their free will. 
if we all had the exact same belief system, it would just be one big cult, and that would be it. And that's why that what's that what makes the world beautiful is people can have different opinions and different diverse ideas, and they can uh, they can again we've got to meet meet our own maker one day. So yes, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. So what is uh, you know, and I'm gonna wrap up the show a little early today just because uh, Bob and I have uh, pretty intense schedules today. Uh, however. What's the message, Bob, that you really want to share with our audience and let the world hear about this topic, organized religion? So I, I think religion is important for the family dynamic. I think you should, uh, traditions are intensely important. So the way that we raise our kids is more important than the lives that we live. Um, and that's that's the pro of, of organized religion. And the, the, the con would be uh, when it goes to too extreme, mm. when it goes to, um, you know, cultish. Making others wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. Rather than, uh, and, and again, this is just... Placing judgment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, playing God. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, they will meet their maker. Now, if they're doing atrocities, atrocities out in the world, that doesn't mean we turn our eye on that. If people like just outwardly just slaughtering people, yes, we take a stand because it's intrinsically evil. Mm-hmm. However, if someone differs in their theological stand or position, learn, learn from them, share yours, be open, right? I, th- I believe that God loves diversity. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would he create a world where there are tens of thousands of varieties of flowers, Why do of I have trees. blonde hair and you have black hair? Exactly, right? God loves diversity. He loves to paint the canvas of the world in colors. Why is there more than one color, right? This is how the universe works. Whether you like it or not, you're in it. It's all around you. It's just the laws of the universe. And there are other humans with different belief systems than you. And you could stand in one of two positions, I think, in the human experience. One is you could stand in love and accept their differences and find commonalities and stand for something greater than both of you. Or you could stand in fear. And fear of their differences make me wrong. Their differences are out to harm me or destroy me. And that's a very weak positioning. And there's no power there. It's powerless. Right. And I think if we stand in love um, in the organized religions of the world, they're not going away anytime soon. There's only more and more being created. Um, and, and to think that, hey, I'm going to step out of all organized religion and I'm not going to participate in any. I don't know. I think what you're doing in that situation is you're kind of like going out into the woods um, in the dark with uh, with no um, no food, no water, no supplies. And you're going out there saying, I'm going to rebel against all structured society and I'm going to go out in the woods and, and survive on my own without any survival gear. Organized religion provides the survival gear for our lives and for our faith journey to back to our creator, in my opinion. That's what I wanted to land the plane on. Well, thank you for, very much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. So uh, let's wrap this up um, real quick. Uh, I got some, uh, you know, we're, we're down to the confession round here. Oh, no. Okay, so the confession round. I'm going to ask you 12 quick-fire quick questions. You'll have three, sense of, three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. What's the first thing that shows up for you? 
Bob, what's your favorite thing about being an adult? Raising my kid. Bob, what's your least favorite thing about being an adult? Paying for my kid. <laughs> what secret fear do you have about people? Uh, that they're talking bad, badly about me behind my back. Okay. If you could be anyone just for fun for the next seven days on the planet, who would you want to trade places with? Bill Gates. Got it. What do you wish you were better at? Golf. What, seek, uh, what dream are you scared of pursuing? Being unemployed. <laughs> That's <laughs> Retiring. Really, that's, okay, got it. What makes you smile more than anything? Oh, just watching my kids grow up. Okay. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Just like my dad. Got it. If you had the power to remove any one form of suffering from the world, what would it be? You could remove it tomorrow. What would you remove? Oh, wow. Uh, three seconds. Uh, first thing that came to mind was hunger, but really uh, uh, hate. Mm. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Here lies a good man. Simple. When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? Come on through. You're a good man. <laughs> And last question. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family, friends, and loved ones only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Hug and love just a little bit more. Mm, just a little bit more. I like it. Bob, thanks for joining us today, and we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. You got it. Cheers. Friends. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and remember that God the Father loves you. He's fascinated by you, and he wants to show you his awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with him, and I'll see you on the next show.